please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I mean, they always have a big mouth, they always talk a lot, so <laughs> it happened before, it's gonna happen again. This week's fan guest is a huge tennis fan living in Toronto, Canada. As co-host of the Authentic Feelings podcast, his shows revolve around reflection and reliving all those impactful moments in our lives. So with one of his favorite tennis players on the show today, he'll get an entire hour's worth of reliving some of those fun fan moments. He lists our guest's 2017 on-court coaching conversation against legend Serena Williams in Auckland as his favorite fan moment. And for those that don't remember, probably one of the best on-court coaching sound bites ever, I'm sure he'll remind us. Our guest today is Paolo Ferrari. Paolo, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. That was quite an intro. Thank you. I try. It's your life. You deserve it. <laughs> Your last name, I told you earlier, is the quintessential. It would be the best pro tennis player name. I mean, Ferrari, oh. right? How powerful, how fun. Yeah, if only my <laughs> body and skill level kept up to my name, then, then maybe True. Would be, I would be the, the pro tennis guest on your podcast. Yeah, But the headlines write themselves, right? It's like Ferrari speeds into the finals, or it could be like <laughs> Ferrari blasts past Fiona Farrow to go to the finals. I don't know, something. I, obviously, I wouldn't write it. Somebody else would be writing it, but it would be, it would sound better than that, but... Obviously, not a lot of skill, but let's bring out somebody who does have skill. It's yes. our special guest. Our player guest today is a veteran of the WTA Tour that won her first of 15 career ITF titles as a 15-year-old back in 2005. Known for her counterpunching, consistency, and disruptive playing style, she's made a career out of finding an ability to win, and just last year won the biggest title of her career thus far in Newport Beach. Whether it's defeating Serena Williams in Auckland or Petra Kravitova at Wimbledon, don't be mistaken by her humble approach to the game, as she's used her grit and fight to reach a career-high ranking of 35 in the world and has been a staple among the world's top 100 players for the past seven seasons on tour. With career victories against big names like Joanna Kanta, Yelena Ostapenko, Dominika Sibolkova, and Iga Sviantek, she continues to frustrate opponents with her unique brand of tennis, and she's shown no signs of slowing down. Our guest today is the pride and joy of Delaware tennis. It's the fantastic Madison Brengel. Madison, what's up? Thank you for having me. That was such an intro. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, again, it's your life. Come on. I'm not making this stuff up unless you're a big liar. No, all that stuff is true. But when you make it sound that good, I'm like, oh, wow. I feel very nice about myself right now. Good. I need you in that zone today. So we're feeling it. And we're going to talk about yourself a lot today. So we're going to reminisce. It's going to be a fun hour, Madison Rengel. I know you're prepping in quarantine currently. How's the isolation going? Yeah, I'm, I'm preparing so well. This needs a refill. <laughs> no one can see that we're all drinking wine. Actually, in solidarity tonight with you, Paolo's drinking a Malbecison Brengel, and I have a Brengel Bordeaux blend this evening. So... <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Yeah. So we, we've all got the red wine vibes. It's red wine vibes tonight. Uh, are you Netflixing? Are we, what are we doing? Six and seven bottles of wine for sure. But like, what's keeping us busy? I'm actually like, I've suddenly become a little into whiskey. So 
I brought some whiskeys to try and I've been listening to some audiobooks. I made an Audible account on Amazon. So I've been listening to stuff. I find like those like thriller, murdery type books, very soothing. 100%. I don't know. Documentaries on Netflix this entire week I've been watching. I'm completely freaked out. We have so many feels. Love it. All right. This is going to be fun today, guys. Before we jump into the life and times of Madison Brengel, I'd like to start the pod with my favorite way to start any service game. And that's 15 Love. It's a super simple game. I'm going to throw 15 questions at you, Madison, and you just respond as quickly as you can with the first thing that pops into your head. Okay? Okay. Question number one. Madison, name the first professional match you remember watching live or on television. I remember my first tennis tournament that I played. It was the practice facility for like the pilot pen. It was up in Philadelphia. So like I go to my very first ever tournament and I see Lindsay Davenport and it kind of like threw me for a loop, but I was seven. So it was really cool. That's huge. Did you get to watch her play or you watching her practice? No, it was the practice facility. So I got to like watch all these like top people practice. And I'm like seven year old me is like, this is incredible. I know. Didn't you turn pro at eight though? So it was like right then. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Number two, name an item that you carry in your tennis bag that you probably wouldn't find in someone else's tennis bag. Probably whiskey, I'm guessing, but maybe not today. Well, corkscrew. I always have a corkscrew. <laughs> of course, I love it. Oh my gosh. All right. Number three, name another tennis player on tour or a celebrity that someone has mistaken you for or said that you looked like. Oh gosh. Well, I'm good friends with Sally Pierce. She used to play, you know, John Pierce's sister. Yeah. No, Sally Pierce. Um, yeah. yeah. Sally's one of my really good friends. And from a distance, my mom thought like she got us mixed up. Your mom got you mixed. I was going fan like random. Oh, at the Australian Open, are you Caroline Wozniak here or something? But if your mom's doing that, okay. Yeah, our parents get us confused because we're the exact same height. Oh my gosh. Okay. Number four, Madison, you get one loss, singles or doubles from your career to turn into a win instead. Which do you pick? Oh, hmm. maybe I would have really liked to win the final in Hobart. Yeah, that was a good one. We'll talk yeah. about that one too. Yeah. Other than that, is there anything that comes to mind? I, I would assume, you know, maybe Hobart. I was thinking, okay, she'll say Hobart, but I wonder if you get another shot. You get two matches because I'm just a genie today. I'm like a wine genie. Um, would have been cool to win one of the junior slams. So like- You're going junior? Yeah. I would have like, well, I was in the finals of two, so- We're going to talk about it in a minute. Well, my parents lost my Wimbledon junior trophy, so I would like to actually- ask where that is, but nobody knows. Paolo, are you starting to feel the family dynamic right now? I'm starting to get a little bit 100%. into the Brengel household right now. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's fun. <laughs> Speaking of, Madison, you're the pride and joy of Dover, Delaware. As Delaware tennis spokesperson, what's your favorite thing about Dover, Delaware? Hmm. Okay. Do you know what Miles the monster is? No, but I want to know. I'm obsessed. Okay. Is he blue, like a blue crab or a blue hen? Or oh, you have blue things no, there. I don't like NASCAR, but our family's tennis center is right by the NASCAR track. And they have this gigantic monster that holds the winning car from the previous year. And it's just this odd thing and the eyes glow red at night. And it's just like, it's so weird that I love it. Cause like, I just like, like weird stuff. It's soothing. Yeah. I get it. I mean, it's red eyes. You like the crime documentaries. This is again, we're fitting this profile right now. This is, this makes total sense. <laughs> Number six, if you had to describe your game to someone that's never seen you play, what would you say? <laughs> For those listening, she took an entire gulp of the wine before she had to answer this. <laughs> it's annoying. I mean, <laughs> I 
wouldn't use that word. Yeah, I, I feel like it's annoying. It's not going to be a pleasant experience for anybody. It's not going to be a pleasant experience. Okay. I can't. Oh, man. Yes, exactly. Okay. Number number seven. So since we have a sense of your annoying playing style at this point, what is the quintessential Madison Brengel match we should all YouTube? Oh, um, oh gosh. I feel like I need help here. Um, you have some good ones. We're going to talk about a lot of them today. I just wonder if there's like a match. Okay. Is there a match that you felt like? Okay. In my recent memory, like when I played Yastrzemska at US Open last year, I feel like I played like very good, but like my tennis. Quintessential Brengel tennis. It was. Yeah. Like the backhand was good. The serve didn't exist. And my forehand was weird. <laughs> oh yeah. Here we go. <laughs> We play alike. <laughs> I'm having fun. Okay. Number eight, Paolo, your day job is actually a career counselor. So I wondered if you weren't a pro tennis player, Madison, what would your job be? Oh, okay. Wait, does he get to answer for me or this is... Maybe there could be some career counseling, but you're still fully fully entrenched in your playing career. So we're not going anywhere right now. <laughs> okay, give me an idea and I'll tell you if you're like, close. I think he's getting the profile right now. I'm starting to get like, you know, <laughs> crime investigator, maybe. I was thinking like a sommelier, like something. Very I mean, good. oh, really good. I have a really good sense of smell. So yeah, really, yeah, really good. I think it'd be really fun to work for a wine company or something like that would just be like, I would love that. <sighs> yeah, me too. Okay. All right. Cheers. Let's keep drinking. Number nine, Madison, someone you'd like to play doubles or mix with, but haven't yet. Hmm. Goodness. That's tricky. I will never play mixed again. Um, Done. What was the last experience? What was that? I, and that I don't know, actually. I know everything about your career, but I can't remember that one. You have no idea? I have zero. I <laughs> so I played mixed with one of my best friends on a tour. I played with Dustin. Like He's like my brother. Like We're glued at the hip. And he took a return full power into my head. No. Uh-huh. And it broke the cartilage in my ear. So I think I'm done. When was this? 2016. You've had some injuries. I did not remember that one. That's okay. Because I got whacked in the head. Did you finish the match? Yeah, we don't quit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I don't think he put another ball in the court for the rest of the match because he was so afraid of hitting near me that he was going the wrong direction, but it's okay. Like, Did you watch the replay? Is there? Was it completely just like... Someone made a photo collage of it. I'll send it. I'll, I'm going to, I have to send it to you. So yeah. So mixed, we're just going to not. Skipping mixed. All right. We're Federer. You know, most people say Federer and Madison's <laughs> the only person who's not going to say Federer. This is like, you know, it's fits the profile. Who do I like? Oh, that's really tricky. Um, maybe Taylor Townsend. I love how she plays. She just plays beautiful tennis. Like that volley. Loved that volley. I, yeah. I'm playing with Taylor. You just bow down to that. That's too oh, good. Okay. I'll go with that one. Number 10. If you had the power to change anything or any rule in pro tennis, what would you pick? Hmm. I would change a lot of these COVID rules. That's, yeah. yeah. The ones that don't make sense. That would probably help. Um, what's one that doesn't make sense. What's like, uh, I mean, obviously as you go from like Australia to New York to French open, all the players have said completely different bubbles, completely different kind of, I'm sure there's lots of things that you have to deal with. Yeah. I think the rule that I would change is if they're actually calling it a bubble, then it needs to be a bubble. So the players, if we have to stay in the hotel, then make it a full bubble. Like us open was a full bubble, but here it's not. 
So like these semi bubbles where everybody else except the players get to mm-hmm. come and go, that kind of, cause it kind of defeats the purpose. 100%. Yeah. Totally makes sense. I like things that have logic. Like US Open, we knew what we were going in for and we made the best of it. I think we went through over 30 bottles of wine and <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> Well, we're only a couple bottles in, you know, it's not done yet. Okay. <laughs> Number 11, Madison Brengel, you went viral and instantly became a fan favorite after your 2020 US Open upset of Yastrzemska by relatably shouting alcohol after your match win. So I wondered, what is the quintessential Madison Brengel cocktail? I would have to say, like, my favorite cocktail is a zombie. Mm. So my dad makes it. I just remember helping my dad make all the syrups because he was making cinnamon syrup. He was making all these syrups all from scratch. Phenomenal. It's very complicated. But if I were to make my own cocktail, I do a rum mint tea and I use dogfish head rum and because that's from Delaware. So I go when I'm back in Delaware, I buy their honey infused rum and I do the recipe on the back of the bottle. Best cocktail. All right. Support local business, Madison Brengal. I love <laughs> I will say, Arena Rodianova, what a good friend. She had the Sutter home waiting for you. She already knew you were, you were going to win that match. Like, it was waiting there for you, right? Well, she had it in the bag because nobody knew that, because, you know, we played the match before. Yeah. And we were staying together. We Yeah, we talked the front desk into giving us connected rooms. And then she gets in as an alternate. We play each other. Yeah. And she'd had the Sutter homes in her bag for when we were going back to the hotel. But she had it in her bag when we played. And as we were walking off the court, I mean, there's nobody around. She took one of the bottles and she chucked it at me and I caught it and we both grab one and we open it and we chug it. And we were like, all right, like you never want to play your good friends. So we just drank after the match. Like we're still on the court, just walking off and we drank the wine. So she had it in her bag for after I played my second match, regardless of the result. She was just like, we were like, you know what, go out, fight your best and drink up after. Oh, warm Sutter home wine. Like a great friend. She's a great friend. She had it waiting for you. Come on. Yeah, love her. I thought it was a bet or something, but no, there's no bet. It's just, you know, camaraderie. We support each other. It's like, here's your alcohol. (laughs) Oh man. All right. Well, okay. Number 12, we may have to get a little kind of meta here. So I'm trying to get a sense of the Brengle brand right now. I think I understand. Okay. Uh, Madison Brengle's Instagram, it's all dogs, cooking, cocktails. It's super fun. So I wondered... If you were approached to be the face of any current brand in the world, what brand makes perfect sense to have Madison Brengel as its spokesperson? I feel like it would definitely be like an alcohol. And since there's not a lot from Delaware, I would love like Dogfish Head. Dogfish Head. Yeah, I love Dogfish Head. All right. Number 13, describe yourself off court in just one word. Mm, Chef. Oh, okay. Yeah. Chef, Chef Madison Rangel. 14, Madison, I love your sense of humor. Which player on tour cracks you up the most? Dustin. He's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. He can get me to laugh even if I'm in a terrible mood. Like, even if he's hitting you in the back of the head at 150 miles per hour, he's still making you laugh. Yeah. That's a good friend. All right. Finally, once you retire in nine or 10 years, Mm. (laughs) what do you want to be remembered for? Being like a fun, positive influence on tour. I feel like there's a lot that's the same. And I just want to be like myself. That's a little different than the cookie cutter, whatever. I just don't feel very cookie cutter, but I like, I hope I do it in like a positive, happy way that makes people want to go out and play tennis. You definitely do. I'm subscribing to this Brengel brand. 100%.
Thank you. Well done. Paolo, I know you have your own podcast, so I hope you're having fun sitting there on the other end listening right now as a guest as opposed to hosting. I love the concept of your show. I've heard it. How did you get the idea to start Authentic Feelings? Wow. I just have a lot of feelings. No. Uh, Honestly, it was just this situation (laughs) where one of my best friends and I, we just, no matter what we start our conversation with, it always ends up going in a direction of kind of deep stuff regarding relationships and friendships and just impactful things in life. And coupling that with trying to find ways to be able to stay connected and stay in touch during a pandemic, we decided a podcast could be a great way to tackle both those things at once. And then it's been a very fulfilling thing that I did not see on my (laughs) radar as something I would ever do. So that's been a nice surprise. It's nice to surprise yourself in life as well. It's very cool. I hope there's wine involved too, Paolo. Really get you to your feelings faster. (laughs) It doesn't take much to get me there. That's for sure. What was it about Madison's game or her personality that really resonated with you? What point did Madison kind of pop on your radar? Oh, that's a good question. Um, It was both game and personality. It's just funny, like revisiting what you just said about how you want to be remembered in years from now at the end of your career. Like, I think you're already accomplishing that now. Like, you absolutely stand out in in who you are. So it's awesome to, to be able to talk to you about it. My first like glimpse of you that I remember, I was actually at the US Open one year. I got my memories fading. Maybe like it's the wine. It's too much wine already. Uh 2013-ish, I want to say. And I was watching it back. I love it. Yeah. So that's the first time I distinctly remember sort of seeing you, seeing your uh seeing your game. And I I'm a sucker for a good backhand. So I was just obsessed. All backhand, no forehand. That's definitely, that's me. <laughs> me too. Oh, I do. Like, for I, it. That's a good club. Hold on a backhand. It's a good club. I am thoroughly a part of that club as well. We're here for it. Total, cheers to that. Cheers to the backhand, cheers no forehand. Cheers to that. Your forehand's good, Madison. I, I absolutely, <laughs> I'm a big Andrea Petkovic supporter. 2015, you beat her in Australia. You instantly got on my radar at that point. I was like, okay, who's... Who's Madison Brangle? She's American. Let's start cheering for her. Obviously, she knows what she's doing out there. So that was kind of my first um, introduction. She messaged me yesterday. Like, she's just fantastic. 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 Love her. I will say, Paolo's favorite fan moment, your on-court coaching with Nicole Melichar is right up there for me, too. That was a big moment, I think, in your fandom, for sure. I'm not sure we've heard a more (laughs) self-deprecating description or interpretation of someone's playing style than that soundbite. So I'm going to play it at some point, you know, roll the clip right now of what it was. I mean, playing like serve and then opposite. I mean, it's, well, the thing is she's on the disadvantage now. She has to hold serve. Well, she's been doing a good job. <laughs> well, you know what? One might fly on her and she might get tight. And the second one you might mean, fly like, on her. like flies and hits me in the bottom of the die. <laughs> so that's like how I go. <laughs> I wouldn't put my money on that. Honestly, like, do you feel like if I play even uglier off the return, is that a good idea? I think you might as well try. Like, if I'm actually hitting, I feel like she's like, oh, yeah, this is nice. And she gets a winner. Exactly. So, like, maybe, like, even worse. Yeah. Because I think she's, like, surprised how bad I am. I mean, I've been known to scream, I suck on a tennis court, but that was a pretty pivotal moment, probably. Okay. I mean, at that point in a match, you're not thinking, oh, my friend that's walking out has a microphone on. So like, I talk the way that I talk to my friends and it just pops out. You know, there's that on-court interview, like the cookie cutter, like I played a great match. I did my best. But then when you're just like 
it's five, it's five, four and the third. And you're like, ah, like what, what is going on? And it just like, it comes out how you talk to your friends and you're just like blowing off some steam. So I really didn't realize that was recorded when it was coming out of my mouth. So it's just how I talk sometimes can get me in trouble, but you know, whatever. It was how I was feeling in the moment. So it was pretty iconic. And thank goodness you're on the show because I I got to relive it. So that was great. I mean, I heard it a couple more times this week. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right, guys, now that we bonded, it's time to start at least our second glass of wine. Are we okay? Are we doing good? You're, we're at two, three, four. Okay, good. On number three. So just like let it happen naturally. Yes. All right. That means we're ready for a game. That means you guys are ready for a game. (laughs) It's time to play I 40 Love You. It'll be Madison versus Paolo in a fan versus favorite tennis match trivia showdown all about Madison's career and life. Oh, heavens to Betsy. Okay. Paolo, I'm going to ask you two questions about Madison's career. And then Madison, I'm going to ask you two questions that test your memory of your own life and times. If we happen to end up in a 2-2 tie, I'm going to give Paolo the opportunity right now to be today's champ, but only if he can survive this first question. Otherwise, the tie break goes to Madison. This game is called True or Fault. This is an early test of your fandom to Team Brangle, Paolo, so good luck to you. Paolo, I'll give you three statements about Madison. If the statement is true, you just say true. If the statement is not correct, please firmly say fault in your best Wimbledon lines person's voice. You'll need two out of three of these to win the tiebreak. Are you ready, Paolo? Oh, can I have one more glass of wine before we start? Take a swig. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we all need a drink. I'm so nervous right now. <laughs> oh, man. You'd be surprised at how the fan typically beats the player. I think it's great. Oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I feel I'm not the favorite in this contest. <laughs> <laughs> This is your warm up. You're in isolation. So this is your like, you know, you're honing your skills here. All right, here we go. Paolo, true or false? I mentioned earlier that Madison is from the bustling metropolis of Dover, Delaware. In 2016, Madison was inducted into the Delaware Tennis Hall of Fame, but she's not the only Brengel in that Hall of Fame. Her mother, Gabby, was a 2013 Hall of Fame inductee as well. Is that true or false? Can I phone Gabby to ask? Uh, <laughs> Gabby can barely tell if it's her daughter anyway, so she's not going to give you the answer to this. So I'm going to say true. Madison, is that true or fault? It's true. It's so true. I love it. How Ooh. cool was that? That's so cool reading that. I really love that. Obviously, you come from this Delaware tennis dynasty. I mean, you're just like, you know, the creme de la creme of the state of Delaware, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like? growing up in a tennis family? Well, Delaware, Dover especially, was not a tennis town, like, at all. But my mom came from a tennis family. So she kind of grew Dover tennis. That's, like, why, like, there was no junior tennis for me growing up. I had to play with men when they got off work. And I can't thank them enough. Like, these were guys that played, like, local club tennis. And when they finished work, they would come play two sets with me at the end of a work day. So, like, that was unbelievable how much kind of the community got behind me. But my mom, because she started coaching when I was like three or four. And now there's like bustling junior tennis there. So like she really built tennis in Dover. And I'm really proud of her for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it makes sense. Hall of Famer, right? Both of you. Yeah, so proud of her. Your mom was your coach growing up. You just mentioned, was there a certain age where that becomes more complicated with your mom as your coach? Um. Well, 
she handled it really quite well when I was about like 15 and I was starting to get better. Hmm. She said, I feel like you need to kind of move forward with somebody that can take you like the next jump. So when she, when I was 15, she said, yeah, I think you probably need to go to Florida. So she didn't have like any okay. ego about it. And she like really helped. And she's still like, I talked to her nonstop. I love her input and stuff. So she's obviously still a huge part of my tennis, but she did it. She did it in a really good way. I read that you started playing tennis. You picked up the racket at two. I mean, that's crazy. Kudos to Mama Brengel for having the patience to, you know, bring you out on the court. Would you just go to the facility where she worked? And that's kind of how you started. You just kind of, it was just inevitable because she was a tennis mom. So she wasn't a coach when I was two. She was a, she did bridal. So I grew up like running around bridal gowns. And when I was like, yeah, when I was three or four, she retired from bridal and then got into tennis. So that timeline is she's bridal. You start becoming a tennis player and she comes up with the Dover. Two years old, she tosses me a ball and it looked good. She was like, oh, what is this? So yeah. And then, but she wanted to get out of the bridal business. She did it for 20 years and then she started coaching. At what point was tennis like full-time for you? I remember being like six or seven and going before school and then after school. This makes a lot of sense. Okay. Because you start playing ITFs at 14. So I'm trying to get a sense of At what point? I played volleyball. I played soccer. I did ballet, jazz, and tap. Like I did all the things. And then I just thought tennis clothes were cuter. So I narrowed in on the tennis. Same. That's how it happened for me too. See, I know we're like this. Yeah. At what point would you say that pro tennis was going to be inevitable for you? I mean, obviously at 14, you're already playing, I mean, huge matches. So we're going further back than that. I kept my options really open until I decided to turn pro when I was 17. So like up until maybe when I was 17, I really wanted to know I could make a pretty good career out of it before I signed away the full ride to a college. So like I gave it a couple of years. I turned down the prize money for two main draw slams because like I kept my amateur status. I just wanted to make sure I was making like, sometimes I make intelligent decisions. So like I needed to really think about it. Yeah, but you turned pro. So you want that back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're like, oh. (laughs) Your playing style is so distinct. Where do you attribute the variety from? You know, where are you getting this kind of game? Well, a big part of that's because I didn't grow up drilling the way that you normally see people playing. Like I was playing with like 45 year old men that were chipping and charging on a fast indoor court. So that's why my forehand's kind of like this, because I was playing against a very old school style of tennis that's bouncing very low on indoor courts. And like seven-year-old me is playing against a man. It's not like I got out there and just drilled pretty tennis. So like I played kind of like scrappy tennis against grown men. And that's how this happened. And scrappy turned into an entire career. So a whole job, a whole job. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. I'm getting the profile. Okay. We have a very successful junior career. We're going to talk about it in a bit, but let's go on to question two, Paolo. Madison played world team tennis for six seasons, including one season for a team called the Delaware Smash. Is that true or fault? I mean, you know, she's from Delaware, right? Yeah. I'm trying to trick you a little bit. Do you think? Yeah, I know. Sounds tricky. I don't appreciate that. (laughs) I'm still good. I'm going to say true. I mean, of course you have to have Madison Brengel in the Delaware Smash. He did well. It was the last year they ever had a team. So it died with me. But yeah. (laughs) Madison, you've made World Team Tennis a priority for a lot of your career, including a 2015 title with the Washington Castles. Yeah. 
you didn't play this past season when everyone quarantined in Greenbrier. That sounded so fun. We did a lot of shows with people at Greenbrier and it seemed like it was very like fraternity sorority. So that sounded right up your alley. Arena was there and she told me like it's it took a while for her liver to recover from yeah. So like I'm sure they had a great time. Um, but yeah, I like when they were asking about the draft and stuff like COVID hadn't happened and I had a lot of points at that time. So I just was thinking, all right, I'll play tournaments. Like, yeah. so whatever, it wasn't that bad being home and just cooking extra. You did experience COVID era tennis because your first start into the season was in Lexington. Then you went to the New York bubble. You had a great start in Lexington. I know, you know, you didn't win the first match, but Sabalenka was playing great tennis at that point. You went three sets there in Lexington had to have been weird. What was that first COVID tennis experience like for you? I was nervous going in um, just about like the testing. And it was just, I mean, it was unknown. And like, you get nervous about stuff that you don't know what it's like. But, you know, I was happy to have a job again after so long. Cause like, yeah. I like being employed. I think most people do. Um, so yeah, like to be able to go out and like, play somebody that's I think she's 12 in the world something like that but a top player that's like playing really good tennis it was good to kind of see where I matched up and I lost but it was a three-set match and I went out and I fought really hard so like it was good to also see like that competing and just playing a tournament match wasn't gone like everybody felt weird yeah you spent your COVID break cooking um, I'm assuming there's a Brangle cookbook that's coming out that's infused with a lot of like cool alcohol or something like a spirit slash cookbook Oh, I like that. Yeah. If I do it, I want to do it with Cece. She's an unbelievable cook. So I feel yeah. like if we did one like combined, that would be really fun. We had Cece on the show as well. So she talked a okay. lot about, yeah, the Brussels sprouts. Yeah. I had to research, you know, I try and like figure it out. Like the Brussels sprouts yeah. were like killer, but mm. you started, obviously we talked about Lexington. You went to the U S open in the bubble. You played some great tennis. We're going to talk about that too. You had a big upset against Yastrzemska and you made it to the third round. So awesome to you. We mentioned Arena earlier. I mean, obviously we know you're close friends. You had to play her in the first round of the US Open. You also had to play her in the first round of Australia as well. Really terrible draws for you guys. I know you're a pro, but it sucks playing your bestie, right? I'm, I'm just assuming. Yeah. So in Australia, I was staying at her house. Oh. Yeah. No, I know. And we were, so we were cooking because we do like a Mexican dinner night. We had 15 players, like, because the limit for a gathering was 15. So we had 15 players invited coming over for this Mexican or whatever. And we're four hours into cooking. We're drinking tequila. Like we're dancing around to the music and someone sends her a text with just like, ha, 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 like 10 of them. And she goes, what? And they go, take it. You haven't seen the draw. Oh, my heart hurts right now hearing this story. And like my stomach just drops. Her stomach just drops. I don't say anything. I just go and grab a bottle of Casamigos. I think I took like four tequila shots. I was just like imagine the stream of expletives from both of us we were just like are you serious like and then u.s open was even more like random because she didn't know she was in until the day of the match she got in as a lucky loser there so yeah a little more like alternate okay alternate but a yeah. little more exciting for her there at least she's in the tournament yeah. she's making that prize money so, so that like, that was different she was just like happy to be in the draw because as of that morning she wasn't so that was different still not fun so we didn't have like that extended couple days before where we both were staying in the same house and we know we we're playing each other but like I feel like we handled it well and then as soon as it was over like we had drink a glass of wine together like everything's fine and yeah 
Yeah, I've been there. I remember the first time I played my best friend, I cried afterwards. So, you know. You just don't feel good. Because like, obviously we go out, we fight, you give it your best. But I really like watching my friends succeed. So like that part, I don't like that. Can you just imagine what Serena and Venus have been through in their career? No. Just, I can't imagine. I mean, it's just horrible. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I feel like they're so, like, I have so much respect for them just in all facets. Yeah. Well, obviously, really bad luck with that drop. But you had some great momentum, though, going into when COVID hit, actually. You'd won the biggest title of your career. And, you know, and Indian Wells got canceled. Who knows what would have happened at Indian Wells? I mean, who knows what, have, what your trajectory would have been at that point anyway? But Let's get to the last question. Paolo, true or false, Madison had a tough road to winning that big title in Newport right before the world exploded by defeating Nadia Podoroska, Jess Pagula, and Danielle Collins on the way to that title. Is that true or false? I think it's like almost true, but I think it's false. Oh, well done. I mean, honestly, he killed it. he's like, on it. He hasn't, he's three and oh today. Like he's killing it. Congratulations, Paolo. You win the tie break. Well done. You. Yes, it is fault. You didn't play Danny Rose Collins. I did not. But shout out to Danielle. We love Danielle. We love Danielle Collins. Madison, I mean, that must have felt so great because obviously it still proves that you're playing great tennis and you're still making improvements to your game after all these years on tour. Were you able to enjoy that title? I feel like you enjoy everything for like a day and then it's just always on to the next. And it was Super Bowl Sunday. So after maybe like an hour, like I was at a Super Bowl party. and well, So you were having fun then. Yes. Yeah. You were just having like a different kind of fun because everyone's like, why is she like having so much fun right now? <laughs> yeah. So we got to the Super Bowl party and we're like, all right, like tournaments over on to the next. <laughs> oh, man. Again, who knows how Indian Wells could have gone after that title run. It was life's funny that way. You just never know sometimes. As someone who's been playing professional tennis since you were a teenager, do you feel like a veteran now? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, you have a birthday in a few weeks. If you might need to take a sip of wine for this one. Go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you laugh, but okay, go on. Okay. All right. But real quick, what's one piece of advice that Madison today has for 15-year-old Madison back when you started playing tennis? I mean, you're playing WTA tennis, obviously. I mean, you've made a career out of this right now. I just wonder everything you've learned in the past 15 or 16 years on tour, what's something if you could go back and sprinkle some some sleepy advice for that Wimbledon final? I feel like I took stuff so hard back then and I really gauged myself and like how I thought of myself on the wins and losses. So like when you get older, you realize, okay, we're a lot more than the win, the loss, whatever, whatever. And like other than COVID times, but like, there's always going to be another tournament the next week. And as long as you like go out and you always do your best, I feel like I took the losses too hard and just like kind of enjoy the moment a little more. It's really cool what we get to do. I still feel very lucky. Oh, I mean, I love that. I love hearing that. Yeah. I mean, I feel very lucky. Well done. All right. Well, that's great. Paolo, you've advanced from the qualifying into the main draw. Killed it. Like, too good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm much better at virtual tennis than real tennis. But it's not the game though, Paolo. Don't rest on your laurels because it's time to get really into this now. So we're going to start with you actually. This is the big time. Here's question number one. So here we go. Paolo, now that we know a little bit more about Madison's start to playing tennis, did everyone know how great of a junior Madison Brangle was? Mm. Madison made two junior Grand Slam finals and got all the way to number four in the world. 
So in honor of Madison's success, your question, Paolo, is about Madison's junior career. It's multiple choice though. So I've had some wine. So that's why we'll kind of go this way. All right, here's your question. Madison defeated all of these future top 30 players during her junior career, except for this player, which would end up being the very last junior loss of her career. Is it A, Petra Marcic, B, Joanna Kanta, C, Camilla Georgi, D, Dominika Sibokova, or E, Melanie Udan? Oh, that's tough. That's a tough one, I know. This is like real, real deep. Yeah. It's so far back. We start back and we move forward. You know, we want to know everything about you. This is it. Just talking juniors. What do we think? I'm going to go with what's coming to me. I'm just going to go with Melody. Yeah. Okay. Because why? Because it's like US opening. It's like, what are we feeling? We're feeling the wine. I just feel like with her trajectory of when she peaked, maybe that was about that time trying to just talk my way through it. I've answered. I don't feel any stronger about it. Just talking now. <laughs> Honestly, Madison, if you need to text somebody to put a restraining order out on Paolo at this point, since he knows so much about your career, it's totally yeah, cool if you need to take a pause here. Because so yeah, impressive. it's is Melanie. <laughs> yeah, it's very well done. Wow. You got it right. Well <laughs> that done. Very unexpected. <laughs> so much pressure. Hey, you know what? Honestly, what the pressure is, it's like you're playing so well, Madison. You're getting to two junior grand slams. You're number four in the world in juniors. There must have been pressure when you're turning pro to kind of replicate the success that you did in juniors, right? Did you feel that pressure early on? Yeah, I. it's a big part of why I left USGA because I was training there in Boca and I was not, I was just not happy. That's also when you were talking about sprinkling the, the later knowledge, like I was so unhappy and then when I come out on my own and but what's but what's unhappy though so if we're playing we're obviously have a, a really successful junior career we're going to talk a little bit about your ITF career as well I think you won your fifth or sixth tournament as well I mean you you started pretty well what, what's so unhappy what 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 is the feeling that you're just not getting the support that you need at that point I didn't feel like I was very in control of my schedule that mm-hmm. was part and some really nasty comments were made to me when I was still considering turning between the turning pro and going to college. When I still was looking at colleges, I had some really, it just made me feel awful. And I thought it should be like a positive feeling making that choice. Cause they're both great options. And I felt kind of awful about it. So I felt pressure from the Federation, maybe not in the best way. And mm-hmm. now like, I needed some time and now I get along very well with USGA. So like it, yeah. I needed some space and I needed to grow up and some things changed and now I'm doing better. We mentioned, I think your sixth tournament, you win an ITF uh, in Baltimore. What are your first memories of playing those pro events? Was it uh, a much different vibe from junior tennis? Yeah, it felt, uh, what's, I don't know what the way to put it. But like, I guess the best way to say is like, you just feel suddenly out of your comfort zone when yeah. you were in your comfort zone. And like, you felt like you were, you were hot shit. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like when you're in juniors and you're doing well, like you really like you're confident and then you get to this tournament and it was a definitely a different world from going from like Wimbledon junior final to Baltimore. And I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. But success, though, we're going to talk a little bit about your ITF record in a little bit because your career is quite fascinating. You're right. You're this great junior. You're touted to be, you know, the next American hope. And really, 
I mean, you did everything you could to be as successful as you could. And I love that you took control of your own narrative, which I think is so interesting. We're going to talk about, you started your 2007 season and it was really when your ranking started shooting up. You played your first grand slam main draw against Patty Schneider in Australia, not the player or the game that you want to make your debut against. Probably not what I would choose anyway. What a cool experience though, to come back to your first main draw after a tournament that you almost won. You know, you, you lost to Pavlochenkova in that junior final six and six, very tight. What do you remember from that uh, first experience in Australia? I feel like it took a hot minute to like get settled on the court. But once I was playing well, like you kind of feel like, Oh, I I could hang at this level. Like I, I kind of loved every minute of it. I think she was like a pretty highly ranked player when I played her, like it was a tough draw. And like, I wanted more of it. Like I wanted, that's where I wanted to be. So then when I like, when I was a little older and I got back to this level, like on my own without having to win the wild card playoff or whatever, like, like I love it more. Oh, I love hearing that. I love it. I mean, I, I love that you won the wildcard playoff because it's just like, this is what you want. You're going to fight as much as you can to do what you need to do, which again, we'll talk about. Speaking of wildcard, you get a wild card into LA that year as well. You scored your first big win of your career over future US Open champion, Flavia Panetta. That's your first big win on tour. I mean, obviously it showed what you could do on a bigger stage as well. What do you remember from that big win for you? Obviously you were a little younger and it's, uh, you know, all eyes are on you at that tournament. So I felt like a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. from the USGA. They were lined up on the side of the court because like that it was at where the USGA center is in Carson. And I just felt pressure. And it wasn't fun pressure. I, I, I wasn't, ha- that was when I wasn't super happy. Yeah. So it didn't feel very much on my own terms. So, and then the next round, I got my clock cleaned by Dementieva. I mean, holy shamoli, that girl. Yeah, but you play Dementieva. How fun though, right? Come on. If you want to talk about a good backhand, oh my God, that backhand was no joke. Your games are similar a little bit. Okay. That's what you hear when you go into player. You're like, oh yeah, the serve. Because when you saw her play like a finals of a grand slam, the serve didn't look amazing. Okay. When she didn't feel pressure, her serve was normal and very good. So she didn't feel pressure playing this one over here. So she came out and she's hitting like great serves. Nothing is slicing and slow. And I'm like, this isn't what I was told. This is fake news. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this. Love reminiscing with Madison Brengel today. This is fun. But that had to do something for your confidence. You beat Flavia Panetta on a big stage in front of the USTA when you're feeling the pressure. I mean, maybe you didn't win the next match, but you had to say, okay, you know what? Obviously my wild cards are legit. I'm going to be a good player. Keep, you know, investing in me. Like, you know, I'm good. I'm going to do it. Just give me my own space. Give me my own time. Yeah. But as soon as I, what happened was as soon as I left to like give my own space and my own time, I was cut off like a bad habit. So, well, you know, okay. Fair. Everyone's looking for the next big thing, right? That's just the world. If you don't want to train with them and you got cut off, that was that was tough. Yeah, yeah. really tough. Okay, well, you know what? You took that and you and you went on to the ITF tour. You won 15 titles, climbing the rankings at that point, especially that year. Let's talk about some of those first titles, Madison. This is your first question. Oh. Madison, you won 15 ITF titles in your career. So I thought I'd test your ITF memory with your first question. Okay. You probably don't know this statistic, but if you count all your qualifying and main draw matches, you've won seven matches on the ITF tour, six love, six love. So since that is such an awesome stat, here's your question. Can you remember in which city 
you scored your first six love, six love victory. It's not multiple choice. <laughs> no, no, this is your life. You don't get multiple choice. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> okay. Can I ask that? Give me a hint. Is it domestic or international? Where do you mostly play your ITFs? In America. Okay. That's okay. Well, there you go. There's your hint. Fine. Well, geez. I haven't studied for the SATs in a long time. Um, <laughs> what city? It was a long time ago. It was so long ago, you'd hear that fairy dust music where you have to like go back in time. Okay. It was qualifying. Uh, this is not, this isn't fair. Okay, then I'm just going to have to guess Landisville. Okay. It's not Landisville, Pennsylvania. No. Well done though. No. Good try. It was a good city, you know. What was it? It's Hammond, Louisiana. Who did I play? You played a player named Danielle Mills. Not sure where Danielle is right now. She's a real estate agent, I think. <laughs> I mean, congrats. I'm sure she's selling, you know, million dollar houses in Hammond, Louisiana, wherever she is. No way. That's too funny. (laughs) Well done to you for winning that match. You have a tough game. People don't love it. It's just the way it goes. You know, I've watched you play live a couple times and to see the frustration on people's faces when they play you is not fun for them, but it's fun for the fan to watch just to see the anguish on someone's face. So (laughs) ex-boyfriends. Madison, the ITF tour can be quite brutal as you travel and you really only make a profit if you're getting to the semifinals or finals of an event. We had Taylor Townsend on the show. She said, it feels like the ITF is a friendlier place than the WTA tour. I wondered what your thoughts were with that. I'd say like like the girls, I think they feel like they're in the struggle a little bit more together. Like you're also like kind of grinding from place to place on the WTA. You're really like, okay, the travel is just more A to B. But as you said, Hammond, Louisiana, how do you get there? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah like I, it's a little bit more of like a we're in it together vibe. I'm No, and I completely understand that. But I'm thinking with how the pay scale is for ITF events. We've been talking about it, especially during the COVID era. You think there's so much more competition because, you know, the fight for prize money is so much more uh, maybe prevalent there. So I would think there'd be more head games. There'd be a little more, you know, um, I don't know, maybe not as friendly because people are really fighting everything they can to win those matches. So maybe I'm wrong. I'm not playing ITF tournaments. So, yeah, I I mean, you still have a couple people. I remember when I was starting out, there were a couple of people that had been doing it for like a little too long. They'd lost the plot. Like they were cuckoo kachoo. And so you saw that and you're like, no, this isn't a friendly environment. Like they, they're just not doing well, but no, like, I do feel like the majority of the girls like they, yeah, you're, you're, it's, it feels to me more like we're in it together. Do you remember the first time a player tried to psych you out? I mean, you started playing these at 15, 16. What was that moment? Um, I was playing a tournament, I think in like Pennsylvania somewhere. And the girl that I played right before we went out to play, she put in these blood red contacts and like stared me down with like some twilight ass eyes. And I was like, what the, what is happening? (laughs) And she was like really like a lot older than me. And I was like, who puts in colored contacts just to like scare me? I don't have a comeback for that. Paolo, you want to step in here? I'm going to just like, I don't know what to say to that. That's incredible. (laughs) When you tell normal people, some of the weird stuff that happens, you're like, this doesn't, this isn't healthy. Yeah. You have an atypical life. Absolutely. We all know that. That's what's so exciting about what you do too. But how would you react differently now to, I don't know, Diana Yastrzemska putting in red contacts when she's about (laughs) to play you at the US Open? You're just like, okay, I've seen it. 
like, honey, are you okay? And like, <laughs> looking at the girl on the other side of the night, like, what is going on? And I'm like, do you need to talk to someone? <laughs> yeah. You've won 15 ITF tournaments in your career and counting and thus far. Is there maybe one of them that's maybe a little more special to you of those 15? I love Landisville. That's like my favorite place. I've never lost a singles match there, I think. Well, I think I've won three or four times. I love it there. That's a big deal then. I thought you would have said Midland. That's a big tournament, $100,000 tournament. And you won that tournament kind of straight sets. You didn't lose a set. You were crazy that tournament. I had the flu. I had the flu. I was so sick. And I don't know if you guys think this sounds bad or not, but like I was violently ill, not like gently ill, violently ill. And before the semis, I went down to the trainer to drop out of the tournament because my fever was so high. I couldn't stop coughing. I was like, if I tried to drink water, I threw it up. I was so like, you know, when you're so sick, like it's not even appropriate. It's you're that sick. So I had the full blown flu and I'm in the training room on the bed shaking. And the girl that I'm playing who she comes in the training room and I hear her voice and she's like insisting to get the shoulder taped. And I just was so like, she doesn't deserve a walkover. (laughs) And I took an obscene amount of Advil and I went upstairs, but they were already like, they were trying to print the paperwork so I could sign a withdrawal. And I hear this girl like speaking about getting her shoulder taped. And I was like, no. And I walk up and like the supervisor's like, what are you doing up? And I'm like, no, I'm going to play. And they're like, but you're really not well. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to play. It's fine. And I took enough Advil and I threw up a couple of times and I went out and played. Oh, I'm so glad I brought up Midland. Uh (laughs) Yeah. And then after the final to the airport, like we had to pull over so I could vomit into the snow. I was so sick. Oh, well, I mean, that had to feel even better that you're just like vomiting into your trophy though, at least. Amazing. Yeah. Glowing beacon of health. Oh man. All right, Paolo, your last question. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) Please do it now before it's too much wine. These are so hard. It's the wine. It's the wine, yeah. All right, here we go. Madison's biggest wins have come at the very biggest of stages, the Grand Slams. She's had some great ones. So your last question has to do with Madison's big upsets. Madison has said her favorite surface is grass. So it's no surprise she's caused some of her biggest upsets on the lawns of the All England Club. At the most recent Wimbledon held in 2019, Madison defeated in the first round a player that just weeks earlier had made her Grand Slam final debut at the French Open. Which player did Madison Brangle upset in the first round of the 2019 Wimbledon Championships? Was it was it Marquetta? It wasn't. Oh. It was Hannah Menlinkova. I'm so sorry. You are... Oh, darn it. Of course it was Hannah. You're uh, so close. Oh. So very close. How do you know? This is crazy that you know all this. I thought I was like... He's really good. Well done. They're well done. All right. Also, guys, can we believe that 2019 was the last Wimbledon? How crazy is that? That's freaky. That's weird, right? Paolo, have you been to Wimbledon before? Oh, not yet. Only the US Open in person. And then the Rogers Cup here. You love Wimbledon. You must have seen that draw against Marquetta and said, damn, like she just got to the French Open final. That sucks. <laughs> no, I could do my best. Yeah. And like, I like playing lefties in general because it kind of spins into my backhand. So no, like I don't really get that. Oh, like shit feeling with a draw. Like mm-hmm. I heard one person, this was a really long time ago, but I heard a coach say to their player one time, like every draw is a good draw. 
like you're in the draw. Like there were times that when we were like growing up playing, like we just dreamed of being in the draw. So mm. I'm happy to be doing my best. Okay. But you do look at draws though. That's not something that you just kind of stay away from. Are you looking at everything? Are you saying, okay. I play, I know who my friends play, but no, I'm not going to look at it that much because I don't find it all that interesting. Okay. Unless it's Petra Kravitova and you're like, yeah, I hope I play Petra first round. So, you know, but all right, we'll talk about that in a second. It seems every year your name pops up with a huge upset at a Grand Slam. I've picked my favorite matches of each Grand Slam. I hope we can get a little more insight to those matches. So okay. let's start with Wimbledon and that huge win against two-time champion Petra Kvitova. Your game matches up so well against Petra. You've beaten her three times in big stages throughout your career. What do you remember from that Wimbledon match? Well, the match before was my first main draw Wimbledon win. So like that was a huge box to tick in my career for me. Like I wanted to win a main draw match in every slam. That was a big deal to me. And I'd won like a really tough one against Gerges at French and that ticked the French box. So like then when I beat, I think I played Hogan camp. Before Hogan camp, yeah. Oh, I got that right. Yeah. I was just so happy to get through that. I was really struggling with some health stuff. I mean, I always do, but whatever. Like I was really struggling with some health stuff. So it felt like a bonus to be in the second round, let alone like win that match. So kudos to you. Yeah. I was really, I was just really happy to, I mean, there's a certain number of players that you can beat at Wimbledon that are playing today that really, you should just pat yourself on the back. And Petra is absolutely one of them. Obviously, would you rather play a rhythm player like Sabalenka or like a Sue Shea, Ans Jabor type player? Yeah, like I feel like if I'm doing like my weird stuff well, I work well against the people that are like really taking a crack at the ball. If we're going to make a run at the semis or better this year of a Grand Slam, is it going to be at Wimbledon or the U.S. Open? Um, I had good vibes at U.S. Open. I loved it. I Yeah, like I kind of re-fell in love with that tournament. Took a little bit, but I love I love New York. But you love the grass. So, you know, who knows? You know, I'm actually allergic. I knew that so. actually. Yeah. Like Lasicki, you know, we talked about this. Do you take a shot before you play on the grass? No, but I normally like on a good dose of Claritin for a couple of weeks. All right. So let's go to the French. We You talked about it. It's my favorite match. It's an epic 2017 French Open match against Julia Gerges. You won 13-11 in the third set. What? I mean, come on. That's a tough match. 13-11 is huge. If we're talking quintessential Madison Brengel tennis, this is what we're talking about. So tell me, we're 11-all in a third set at the French Open. I know, Paolo, you and I can, we'll talk about our matches that we've had, our 13-11 third set matches in a minute. What are we thinking at that point? I mean, Julia is an excellent, excellent player. So what's going through your mind at 11-all in that match? Well, first, this is exceptionally long. Um, <laughs> why don't they have a tiebreaker? It's like, I I could suggest some rule changes right now, but... I almost spit out wine. Go ahead, keep going. At that point, like, I feel like I'm very fit and I figured the longer that it goes, maybe I can eke it out because like I, I can just keep going. It's fine. Are, are you an ice bath person after matches? What's your recoup? No, it's you're looking at it. <laughs> We're pointing to wine. I know everyone listening already already assumed it's fine. That's yeah. cool. I can't imagine losing a match like that. So, I mean, that's good at least that you won the match yeah. afterwards. You must have been exhausted after that as well, though. I mean, I know you're in great shape, but still, that must have taken a lot out of you for that next match. Yeah, kind of garbage. And I have a nerve disease, so my hand blew up after that match. So, you know, I was really happy to get through it. But then when I played the next one, 
my hand was like a mitten and I couldn't really grip the racket very well, but you know, I was happy to get through the first one. I mean, if anyone's listening right now, Madison is not retiring with the flu. She's not retiring with mitten hand. It's not happening. It's just you. She's going to be on the court no matter what. I don't know what you've retired for in your in your. I have to look back now at your repertoire of matches to see what you've retired because now I want to know what was so bad that you had to retire. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> off the top of my head, I retired one time because my eye was bleeding. Okay. Well, you know that'll get me fair. Yeah. How do you typically process your losses? Um, pretty quickly. I always feel really comfortable in the amount of effort that I give. Francis mm. Tiafo, he calls me effort because he's like, the effort is like, it could not be any higher. Mm. So like that takes a lot of the after a match yeah. out of it for me. Cause like, I know I go out, I do best I can. Like it might not be a great day. It might be a terrible day, but like I have given it everything that I can. And that's that, like, what can, what, what can you do? So I want to then go enjoy the city that I'm in. If I had a good win, enjoy it. If I had a bad loss, go enjoy the city, like move on. But like, I never really feel like I question my effort. I think that's where maybe some people, I feel like if they could adjust anything, it would just be like, kind of like have some confidence in the effort you put in. Good for you, Madison Bringle. I mean, regular everyday people go to work and they don't put that much effort in. So, you know, that's good to hear. I I like that. I'm feeling inspired. Yeah. Give it a good go and then put your racket down and have fun. Okay, let's move on to Australia. All right, here we go. Your biggest Grand Slam run was to the fourth round of the Australian Open in 2015. What a great start to that year that was. You'd get to your first WTA final in Hobart as a qualifier. Speaking of being exhausted, your legs must have been complete mush because you played eight matches, including that final. Then you play four more matches two days later at the Australian Open at the start of that tournament. So that's a that's a big, big tournament. What You're resilient at 24. Come on. Okay, fair, I guess. You know, who knows how you would have done against Heather Watson in that final had you not played seven matches prior to that. But, um, you know, that's another world. That's insane. Was that one of your more prouder moments getting to that final? It was cool. I had a lot of fun. I was there with one of my best friends, Phil Simmons. He had stopped playing and he was coaching. He was coaching up at actually in New York and I asked him to come and we had, we just had so much fun. We just started like kind of enjoying the city that we were in. Like we went to cool dinners. It was just really fun. So I felt like he took a lot of that pressure away and he's so easygoing that like, I just started really enjoying being on tour a little bit more like traveling with him. Cool. I mean, what a great start to your season. I mean, obviously your first tournament, you go into Australia. We just mentioned uh, the big run in Melbourne. You'd beat Pekovic in the first round, amazing player. You'd beat Vandaway in that tournament. It'd be your first fourth round appearance in a Grand Slam. You must have left Australia on a high. Well, I'd had a tough off season. I like, I'd had health issues and that was why we asked Phil. Like that was one of the reasons I asked Phil. I didn't want to go by myself at, like in case I was going to get like a bad call. Like I had a little dabble into skin cancer and it was just like a tough off season. So I didn't want to be alone. And I went in kind of with mm. this like gratitude of like, oh my gosh, I'm here. Like I have my health. Like we're good. And that changed a lot for me. That's an inspiring moment. I mean, yeah. to go from skin cancer, I remember that scare in 2014. You go into 2015 feeling like, all right, hey. You have like a new lease on life and you're like, what? I'm here. This is amazing. It was like main draw slam. Like it was, it was such a turnaround from like operating table to that. And like, oh, I felt like a new lady. Well, thank God you're okay. You know, that's a scare. You know, for sure. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. A tennis, I mean, every tennis player is worst nightmare. You're in the, you're in the sun all the time. Yeah. 
we're we're alive though. Well, thank God you're okay. Okay. Um Madison, we have to talk about my favorite US Open moment. It was last year's beatdown of Diana Yastremska, of course. It was the most recent moment. Are big wins a little different now that you're a little older? Yeah, I feel like the highs aren't as high and the lows aren't as low. Like it was fun. I was I was happy, but it was more like a I'm gonna drink wine with Arena on the bus back kind of happy, not like a yeah, you, it doesn't feel quite so pretentious. Is that maybe a good way to put it? Yeah, it was just no. more like you're humble. If anything, I mean you're quite the humble player. It's a night match at the US Open, you're on an outer court, and you're playing a big hitter. I mean, it's fun, right? That was like a fun there were like two spectators in total. I don't know why you're calling it like a, a big night match when I mean, <laughs> sure. I was two minutes away from you and I couldn't go. I was very upset. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't fun for the fans either. I'm sure it wasn't it wasn't fun for you. No. We love the fans. Like they give it atmosphere, like to have a crowd for that much. Ugh. Yeah. That New York victory in a COVID year to make to the third round of the US Open really helps the bank account. And it helps, you know, you know, it just helps the confidence too, you know, just to get to that third round. Help the happy too. Like it made me happy. Yeah. Like I had a good yeah. run. Like I was happy. And shout out to Sutter Home. You know, honestly, well done to them. <laughs> they they got the they got the press. They had no idea it was coming. They had no clue. It was everywhere. It really was. Is there any Grand Slam match that I missed of those four? Was there something that Paolo, you can jump in here too? Is there is there a moment of either one of you that you think back was, you know, in a Grand Slam in your career that meant something to you that maybe I didn't mention? I feel like a big one for me was my first main draw win. It was in New York. I played Glushko. Julia Glushko. Love yeah. her. Come on. That was a huge deal to me because like I'd lost a couple of main draw matches. I'd never won one. So winning that and Phil was there with me. So like, it was just like, it was fun. Phil. Love Phil. We love Phil. All right. Our last question. This one's for you, Madison. We're going to end this game today. Here we go. As the only person on this call that has beaten the legend Serena Williams, we of course have to talk about that match Madison Brengel will be showing her kids and grandkids for years to come. It's her 2017 upset of Serena Williams at an event in Auckland, New Zealand. So let's see what you remember from that match, Madison. Okay. I saved this one because I figured at this point, I just had an inkling that we would be on glass four or five of wine. I'm going to make you do some quick math. Okay. You ready? Oh, God. Okay. Madison, how many total games have you won off of Serena Williams on a singles court in your career? 18. Oh, wait, games on a singles court. Wait, so not just Auckland. Darn it. Um, sir, can I just... My you can change your answer. You can, because I like you. Um, I want to say 20 now. Okay. So we went from 18 to 20. Great job changing at the last moment because it's not 18, it's 19. Almost. I thought I had it. Well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, 2015, you're forgetting your fun match in Madrid, probably. No, I remember I had the flu. Another flu? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not wildly healthy. I don't know if you've picked that up yet. Yeah. Your first tournament of 2017, mm. you start with a solid first round match and then bam, it's Serena in the second round. Based on your on-court coaching conversation, it seemed like the strategy was to play ugly. We've played the clip already today. We've already heard it. What's the most vivid memory you have of that Serena Williams mm. match? Um, it was windy. It was so windy. Always. Everyone says that. Jess Bagula yeah. said that it was like super windy in Auckland. Windy, but I don't mind playing in the wind. I mean, if you ever play in Homer, like you don't mind playing in the wind. But I talked to Dustin. Oh, I love you pouring that wine. <laughs> um, I talked to Dustin before the match and I texted him was like, well, what do I do? And his advice was 
don't try and hit with her. He goes, because like a lot of girls, they come out and they try and hit with her and you feel a couple and it feels good, but like she loves that and she's going to be better. So I went out and I tried to just make it awkward, like make it ugly, like let the wind do a lot of the work for me. So yeah, like talking to Dustin before I played, like getting that, like, all right, Maddie, like even if you think like hitting with her is a good idea, even if it feels good, don't do it. So that was his advice. And for people listening, you mean Dustin Brown. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. You brought Nicole Melichar out on the court for your encore coaching. Obviously a good decision um, because it lightened the mood. It became a, a viral moment. The conversation lives in infamy for sure. Absolutely. That's why it was like my favorite moment. Yeah. I like like giving giving people a little bit more insight and maybe a slightly less edited version of the on-court interview. I played a great match. They did their best kind of thing. Like that's not, that's, that's no one here. I think what you see is what you get with Madison Brangle, which we all love for sure. Are you typically that self-deprecating though? Is that something that I, obviously you've said already earlier that that's just typical, you know, yeah. fashion, how you talk, but I mean, is that, yeah, I'm not going to be like, Oh yes, I'm going to come out and serve big. Like, in what world yeah you're so. quite aware of your game style you knew what was happening you have to laugh at yourself and like i know my strengths i know my weaknesses and like you know what go out you can have a chuckle about it i mean the coolest part has to be though when someone asks you because i'm sure you're asked all the time what you do for a living and when someone says have you ever played serena williams your response now is yeah and i beat her add the second part you don't need to add the second part like you got to you don't you got to share a court with her the legend like just count your lucky stars like that woman is amazing oh i mean of course you know i but kudos to you i mean i think regardless of what happens whatever i mean obviously serena is going to go down as the best player in history so you know what a great match i'm sure you've watched that match hopefully several times when you're feeling down you just go back and relive that moment and say you know what i, I can beat anyone in the world madison bringle so come on we love serena we love serena what an awesome memory obviously to wrap up the show today we've been along for a very fun wine-filled evening on this tennis journey what's your goal for the 2021 tennis season madison i want to have fun Cause last year was so weird. I want to have fun. I want to obviously stay safe and healthy, but every match that I get to play, like, I just, I really want to like go out and have a good time. Like last year was so weird. Like, and it, it was so uncertain. So I feel like if our job can become a little bit more normal, just enjoying that. Yeah. Well said. For sure. Do you still have career goals? I know you've been playing for so long and you, again, you have a birthday coming up and who knows for how long, hopefully much longer that you, you'll you be playing on tour. Is there something you could accomplish and say, you know, if I stopped now, I'd be happy with what I've done? Or is there is there something that you still on the bucket list in tennis that you just really want to say, okay, I want to win a title or whatever it is, fill in the blank. I mean, is there, are you still playing for something? I feel like all my boxes have kind of been ticked. And at this point, it's play as long as I have fun, as long as I'm healthy enough to be able to. And I like, I really do like it. Like I I like being on the court. I love, I love this, but if that stops and like, if it stopped tomorrow, I walk away. If it stops in three years, then I walk away, whatever. But like, really, I enjoy what I do. So the goal is to go out on your own terms, right? Always. That's just it. Everyone's goal is. I've had so many things happen kind of in 
the last five or six years that I almost pushed through some times that maybe I could have, should have retired because I wanted to end on my own terms. So like Mm. that, everything being on my own terms, that's a really big deal to me about like what makes me happy. And I am happy. And then poof, third round of Grand Slams. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen for you? I'm I'm so excited yeah. for you. Honestly, I, I think I'm feeling good vibes. Let's wrap up today with a question from one of Madison's biggest fans. That's Paolo. Paolo, you have the last question for today. Awesome. So mine is like... By the way, sorry to interrupt. I'm going to say it real quick. Paolo, you're also the winner of fan versus favorite <laughs> today as well. Obviously, I mean, it was without question. Madison, you did okay. You did okay about your life, but... But Paolo crushed this today. Did I? I got I got a little bit lucky with the questions that were directed at me. Destroyed it. Okay. Like, yeah. I don't know. I've had some I've had some intense shows, and I don't think anyone's gotten every single question right. So this was a little <laughs> I'm sorry. When he got Melanie Udan, I'm no, no, yeah. you deserve He was feeling the vibe. That's it. He oh, was right. he's feeling your vibe. That's the way this oh, goes. So I can't wait to hear this final question. Paolo, the floor. Thank you for that. I I mean, I really I just want to say, like, this has been like I'm hugely grateful to have been able to participate in this. So thank you, John. Thank you, Maddie. It's been incredible. I think what you've shared, Maddie, it's it's very validating of everything. Everyone who watches you feels this this essence of authenticity around you. And to be able to sit in on this conversation, it's just it's very much true. And that that's huge for me. I find that way more inspiring than someone who maybe we get glimpses of who we don't get to see the real them. It's nice to see the person behind the player. And it's so, so inspiring for me, the, the approach you've taken to tennis. And it seems like life is just, I think for anyone who tries to lead with that kind of honesty and just being their true authentic self is huge and difficult. And you seem to do it so well. So I'm, walking away with a new kind of approach to, to life and recreation. Authentic feelings, Paolo. Authentic feelings, right? Sure, and authentic feelings, I guess, yeah. We have so many feels. <laughs> we have so many feels. So that's not really a question, but I really just want to take uh, this moment to sort of acknowledge that this is really huge and impactful for me and I think is going to be really impactful and inspiring for everyone who listens to this because you are presenting your full self you're not just going on the tennis court and hiding everything else about you that goal you have of kind of disrupting the flow of things and and being a bit different than the other tennis players people have seen I think is absolutely coming true and I feel like John would agree so this is not a question at all I I messed up that portion but I really just wanted (laughs) the time to say that it's okay you know, that's great. I love it. Honestly, that's what this that's what the show's all about. I feel like there's such this kinship in pro tennis with the fans. And I think this year is really robbed an experience of a lot of people that um that really thrive off of that fan environment. So it's really great to get to know players on a different level. It's been an absolute fantastic hour today. I'm so excited. What a fun hour. If you didn't think you liked Madison Brengel before, we've now immersed ourselves into your fandom, Maddie B. So I want to thank my guests for joining us today. We learned so much. You can find Paolo on Instagram at P underscore Yonsei. And don't forget to listen to his podcast, The Authentic Feelings Podcast, available everywhere you download your favorite shows. Thank you so much for your Canadian positivity, my friend. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. It's, it's uh, you know, we this is great. I, I expected nothing less than Canadian positivity. Great last name. <laughs>
We love your last name. <laughs> Thank you so much. Ferrari in the finals. See, I love alliteration to it. Drink to that. You can follow the fantastic Madison Brengel on Instagram at mbrengel and cheer her on all season long. I can't thank you enough, Madison. What a fun hour. Really, when we talk about authentic self, this is it. This is what we're here for. We're absolutely here. We need to have a catch up when you get done. We're going to have a catch up. I have a zombie for you. While you're on Instagram, please shoot me a DM at John Garica. Let me know who you're a big fan of and who you'd like to have on an upcoming episode. Also, don't forget to follow us at Fantastic Tennis Pod or on Twitter at FantennisPod. Your love of tennis is why we're here, so I appreciate the support. My name is John Garica, and thank you for listening. This has been fantastic. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>